Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Twit Photo, episode number 63 with Catherine Hall and Leo Laporte, recorded on June 26, 2012. Architectural photography with Shannon McGrath. It's time for Twit Photo this week in photography with our wonderful host, Catherine Hall, and a great guest today. Hi, Catherine. Hi. How's it going? It's going great. CatherineHall.net is your uh, is your website and uh, do you have a blog post for us this yes, week? Yes, I do. What is it? It's tur- turning no into yes. <laughs> That's kind of appropriate. There it is. Yeah, it turning is. no it's, into and yes. More levels in- <laughs> <laughs> so what do you mean by that? I what I mean is a lot of times, you know, this is I guess this applies to life, you know, and all in a lot of areas, but in photography itself, specifically when shooting portraits, um in personal work, a lot of times you want to photograph somebody and they may not know you. You find them on the street, you're traveling, whatever. And they, they're they kind of like, I don't think so. I, I'm, I don't want you to take my photo. Right. And what I've found is that more often it's not so much that they don't want you to take their photo. They just don't know who you are. Yeah. And they don't trust you. For most people, knows a default. It's Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of uncomfortable. Right. And so, you know, situations... You can turn a no into yes doing various things. You could show them your work. You could, you know, there's a lot of different tactics you can use. But out in the field, I approached this man in the in the image, and he said no. And I didn't have my work. I didn't have a portfolio. And quite frankly, I don't care, think he would care about my portfolio, this man. Remember uh, <laughs> uh, Bruce Davidson said he used to carry a little album with him of his work? Oh, is that what he does? Yeah. And like the the, the guy in the subway train. He he had a he said it was an old wedding album, and he had his photos in there. And remember the gang, the scary gang guy in the subway. He said, "No, don't take my picture." And he said, and "Well, he look, showed, here's oh, my picture." Yes. And, then, and the guy said, first of all, it's in a wedding album, so it's kind of like you know, it's not intimidating." But then the photos are great. And he goes, "Oh, hey, you're good. You could make me good. look you good." Can, and then I would like a picture of myself. Exactly. So it could be carrying around on your iPhone, you know, different things, different tactics. This, in this situation, I didn't have any of that stuff with me. So what I did is I didn't press too much on him. Because if you press too much, then it really becomes a no. Right. Um, I just moved on. And I ended up photographing people around him. People that have no interest in photographing. But just just uh. building that rapport. And he watched me and he studied me. And, and then eventually, he actually came up to me and said, actually, will you take my photograph? And what a great picture it and is. And then this was the result. Yeah. So it, it just comes down to... Not, I mean, granted, if no means no, obviously be respectful. But knowing that if a person is just unsure of you or unaware of your intentions or just needs to feel you out, giving them that space because it could be good for both of you. How many shots did you take of this guy? I always have wondered this. Because oh, it's such a. I don't know. I actually didn't picture. take that many. That's, yeah, see, I knew he didn't, I, It didn't take a lot with him. I knew I wanted it to be close. Right. And, so um, great. And I also, because he had said no initially, I didn't want to overdo press, it. Press my luck. But the guy has hate <laughs> tattooed on his knuckles. Yes. Right? I mean, there. this is a guy who probably does say no a lot. <laughs> and, 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 and then the crinkling around his eyes, there's just something magical about this photo. It's one yeah. of my favorites of yours. And you get that, too. You know, I, I see people, um, happen in Norway, actually, where you find a face and yeah. you know it's going to be a beautiful image. Yeah. You know it in your heart and soul. And it's worth making yourself uncomfortable and spending the time sticking around trying to get that shot. Now, this guy was a farmer in Tasmania, right? Um, coal miner. Coal or miner. Former coal miner. Oh. So. Right. But he's from down under, as is our guest today. Yes, he is. She is. Yeah. There you go. So, um, interestingly enough, our guest is world-renowned for her architectural photography, but photography is not her first passion. Really? No. Welcome to so, Shannon McGraw. Shannon McGraw, welcome to Twit Photo. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, what, what is your number one passion? What brought you to the medium of photography? Um, I would have to say it's uh, the form of architecture and interior spaces itself. Uh, I never really had the intent to be a photographer. 
so basically, from day dot, back in the day, I was studying fine art of all things, and um, ceramics was my major, so totally away from photography. But uh, architecture was the one main true subject that uh, stuck with me uh, at that time. So when I ventured out of the uh, fine art course, I sort of found myself traveling around the world and tending to want to uh, photograph buildings and spaces and things like that. So I just sort of naturally fell into it. And that way it sort of um, became a bit of a passion and a, a, a way forward for me to sort of get involved in architecture was to do photography. So that was the path that started me off. And uh, from that point, I went straight into studying, uh, the, you know, I guess the basic techniques of photography. I remember when I went into my first class, I didn't even know what an SLR camera was. So uh, it was quite a, a surprise for everyone to see me in a photography class, but I was determined and, um, you know, sure that that's what I wanted to do. And so from henceforth, it was just all about, you know, learning my technique and getting that down pat and uh, getting out into the field. And when it comes to learning your technique with architecture, what do you feel were the most valuable lessons that you needed to learn when you were initially at that place where you're, hey, I want, I love architecture. I want to explore architecture through this medium of photography. Mm. What do I need to learn? What's the core first steps? Well, basically, it's sort of a technical. Um, your equipment is quite different to maybe your standard sort of portraiture. Uh, photographer, uh, you would most probably, in the day we were shooting transparency and film and that's what I learned on. I'm very thankful for that time that I actually got to shoot um, a lot of film and transparency because it's now sort of all shifted to digital. So the main um, the main point, I think my hero camera at the time was um, what we call a 5.4 camera which, you know, you'd have your 5.4 transparency that you'd load up in your dark slide and sort of put in the back sort of, you know, if you imagine in the romantic days of, uh, you know, the big cameras with the dark cloth over your head and, you know, the ground glass on the back of the screen. So that was um, a vital tool for me in the sense that the reason why we use these cameras is because it had movements. And um, when we're shooting architecture, uh, the main thing is to get your um, horizontal lines um, and vertical straight. So most cameras that you shoot on don't uh, have any um, shift in the lenses at all. So they, um, you sort of, when you're shooting a building, you, you tend to sort of find that it converges or diverges depending if you're looking up or looking down at it. So what the 5.4 camera did was you could sh shift a uh, film plane or the lens up and down or left to right and that way you were actually uh, straightening the horizontals and the verticals by doing this and getting those beautiful architectural shots. So that was the, one of the very first key, key elements of shooting architecture um, was to learn about shift lenses and vertical lines and horizontal lines and making sure that they were all very, very straight. Uh, and then the second thing would have to be uh, light. Um, so... With the light, it really depends on, it's really key, it's essential, it's it's all about the time of the day that you're shooting it, um, finding out about, you know, whether it was a an east or a west or a north-facing building or even south and um, making sure that you were there at the time of the day. So if it was east, you'd be up very early into, you know, sort of the dawns and the sunrises waiting for that sun to come up with your camera and if obviously the west facing facades you'd be sort of out there in your late afternoon sunsets with your dusk um, shooting away so I think they're the two key things would be you know understanding light and the times of the day that you need to shoot and then the other part of it would be your equipment. It's all in this picture this uh, picture on my screen right here uh, if this were you know if I took this picture those columns would be looming over me about to fall over. That's right. Uh, yes, that's right. Did you use tilt to 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 fix that, yes. or did you get on the ladder? <laughs> I'm I'm standing on the ground, and I've just got a 35 mil in my hand uh, with this shot. And basically, I saw the light, and I just saw the position. And I think I had at the time a 24 mil tilt shift on my camera. Ah. And basically, you just sort of rack up the camera to sort of to its full maximum. And that's the beautiful thing about the Canon 
Um, I've got a Canon 1DS Mark III and you can have the, there's quite a few tilt shift lenses in the series. So uh, you just sort of um, rack it up and you get all those lovely, you know, beautiful straight lines. Yeah. yeah. And I love so, the light here and the candle. So that mm. is another example of just knowing exactly what you wanted when you shot this. Well, it's also um, just sensing it, really. Um, this was, we were traveling. This is actually shot in Copenhagen in a beautiful church there. And we were just sort of driving from church to church, just having a look at the architecture more than anything. And um, it was actually a beautiful experience. We walked in and in the middle of the church, there was this tiny circle of mothers and babies singing, you know, having a mother's group singing these songs in this uh, church. So we just started wandering around and I just pulled my camera out. I wasn't too concerned about sort of, you know, whether I could or I couldn't. <laughs> and I just sort of started shooting and having a look and just feeling the space. And that's actually a really lovely way to shoot um, because you're not sort of working towards a brief or you don't have, you know, the design brief from an architect right. or an interior designer with you. So that's why I think those kind of shoots are really quite lovely just to sort of feel what's in the space and sort of, you know, take your time and have a look around and uh, see what's happening. And that's what you get. I yeah. was going to say that Shannon didn't have to worry about say, buildings saying no, but I, I guess the people who <laughs> own the buildings could say no, you know. No, that's it. Yeah. So it was quite lovely. Beautiful shot. Yeah, thank you. So when you're talking about perspective and shift lenses, are you using shift lenses all the time? And maybe to people that don't know what a shift lens is exactly, could you explain what a shift lens is and why it's imperative for you to use in your work? Okay. Well, shift lens is, um, so I'll just have pull one up here I've got. Uh, this is my, I don't know if you can see that quite clearly, but this is my 24mm shift lens. Um, so basically it's a very straightforward lens. You can see these little knobs on the side of the lens here. And basically what they do is when you sort of move these, no, let's just loosen that off there for a second. And you can actually move, I don't know if you can see that very clearly, but I'll just wrap it down and you can sort of see there, uh, it's a bit hard to see, but see how the lens, the bottom of the lens is um, shifted down. So that's what a shift lens does. It sort of moves the film plane up and down. And uh, that way, that's how you get your verticals and horizontals. And you can actually twist the lens on the camera. So you can actually turn it around whilst it's on camera and do um, shift, you know, on angles and all that sort of stuff. So basically, that's what a shift lens is. Um, and uh, you can get, I think the Canon 35 series have um, four shift lenses in their... Uh, in their stock is the 17mm, which is very wide, beautiful, has no distortion. And then the 24mm, which is what I just showed you there. And then there's the uh, 45 tilt shift. And um, then we have the uh, 90mm shift. So that's what it does. It just sort of moves, basically moves the film plane up. So you can actually sort of move without sort of pointing the camera forwards and backs. So, yeah, it's a nice little series. I've always wanted they're one, but they're so expensive. I... Uh... Uh, I, it's primarily for somebody shooting architectural shots, right? Architecture, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can use them. They do have um, swing. So a lot of people do use them for, say, for example, if they're shooting food, um, they might use like the longer 90mm lens tilt shift mm -hmm. and they might sort of use that, you know, when you want to drop the focus out into the background. So um, they'll sort of do a, a, a tilt or they'll sort of throw the lens focus out and that way they are... Uh, Basically, um, you know, you know, it's a soft focus. Instead of using right. depth, of, they use the movement of the lens. Yeah, we've seen that. that's kind of a popular faddish kind of form of photography. Even your yes. iPhone can do tilt shift now, where you yeah. stuffs in yeah. focus and out of focus, makes well, things look like toys. That actually begs the question, you yeah. know, when it comes to new photographers and what's the advantage? Obviously, if maybe you could ex explain getting it in camera with the lens versus mm. doing it in Photoshop with all the same, tools that same, are same available. Same thing with the lines because you, yeah. could, you could bend the picture to make it straight Which, lines. And, and there is a nice, and the nice, back in the old film days, very rarely did you do anything in Photoshop to your lenses. It was all in camera. And from learning to do things that way um, uh, is totally beneficial to taking a shot. I think nowadays people tend to just go, oh, that'll do, we'll fix it up in post. Um, but... 
I actually believe that the less amount of work you do to an image in post, the better the quality of the image is going to be. Um, because when you start mucking around with images too much, you're actually moving pixels and you actually are degrading the quality of the picture. Um, so I tend to do the shift as much as I possibly can and do as much as I can in the camera. Um, to do the least amount of damage really on the other end is what I call it. You can get away uh, with doing quite a bit in post, but you just have to be very careful um, that you aren't pulling it too much because you do get, you know, especially with the large buildings, you it does fall off at the top and it gets a little soft if you transform it too much, mm -hmm. whereas if you do it as much in the lens, that's where the quality is. It's, it's the glass, it's the lens. Um, it's, you know, sort of what's happening in camera. Um, and, and it just, that's, that's the art of photography is to basically, you know, be able to do it mostly in camera because um, that's what we do. We're photographers and, um, and I think, you know, you do have to take the time in shooting um, what's happening and positioning of every object and every line and every subject matter and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's my true belief. And what waiting around the right light, etc. Do you feel using a, I assume you use a tripod for almost all your work or, or do you? Everything, yes. Tripod and camera, uh, absolutely. Uh, most of my exposures are quite long exposures. Um, so you can't have any kind of sort of movement. It's, it's architecture and interior photography um, it really is have to be quite clean. I mean, there are other ways of shooting it um, where you can have a little bit of movement, but generally for architecture interiors, always on a tripod. So, yeah, just um, people want to see the clarity of a space and they want to see the, you know, what's happening in a space. And when you have movement, it just doesn't come across at all. So, yeah, definitely a tripod. But I think, too, tripod slows you down. does slow you down, which is also good. Um, which, with yeah, it's good. It's, it's good. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's definitely because each image you compose, you have to take the time to compose it. Um, generally, I'm working with an interior designer or an architect and they're sort of getting me on a shoot to explain or portray the project in its absolute best light and if you sort of run around you know just snapping here and there I don't think you really get to sort of feel the space or feel the environment that you're in and that's the beautiful thing about what I do with my work is that you you take the time you sort of make friends with the house really if I could sort of say it without being corny for the day and you watch the light and you see what's happening and you see where the objects are sitting and you see what would be the best angle for the camera to sit and you wait. I mean, often, more often than not, I'll be sort of sitting on a corner, you know, of a street waiting for half an hour, just waiting for that light just to sort of come out and there it is. So that's sort of how you work with the space. Other times it can be very frantic, um, chasing the light. It's amazing how quickly the light does move. And, you know, sort of looking at a lot of my shots, you know, I sort of wait to the perfect timing of when the light might touch a corner. Um, so you get those when you're shooting and you're, you're actually thinking quite graphically in the sense that you want to use the light to create texture and lines um, within, you know, a, a really a graphic picture. So you might just sort of be sitting there waiting for that time for that light just to hit that corner and then there's your shot kind of scenario. So, yeah, it's good. And I shoot, you know, in all different kinds of light. I shoot, you know, bright, sunny days, um, overcast days. You know, you can get all kinds of different qualities of light um, with the different, you know, types of sun and movement and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it does take some time, which is wonderful. I mean, some days I'll, you know, some shoots I'll spend three days on or some spaces I might actually be there for two weeks. Um, just, you know, cover it all off and get the right light and, and do all that. So, yeah, it's, it's fantastic, you know, and it's light creates texture and pattern as well, which is what I love. Let me ask you some technical questions. First of all, you said long exposures. How long? 
Well, they vary. They can sort of be around sometimes, depending if it's a bright, sunny day, 30th or 60th, you know, um, thereabouts. Exterior is usually F16 at 125th. Um, is the usual. You, you uh, like a very crisp, a very uh, no depth, no depth of feel. You want to see everything. I like I like the um, the detail from yeah. top to bottom. Yeah. Sometimes I will use um, depth of field, but that would be more on your interior spaces than with uh, exterior work. Well, here's a um, good, here's a good example. This is a this is a very long shot, and uh, everything's in perfect focus, of course. Yes. Now, now, do you use yeah. lights? Because this is this must have been a difficult one to get. No, very rarely do I use lights. Um, this, you know, sort of my light is the sun, basically, right. uh, and that is that's why timing of shoots is vital. Um, is it's just sort of understanding that the day, you know, the light's going to come through at that time. You know, if the edge of the building is facing west then I might shoot that side of the building in the afternoon, knowing that I'm going to get some nice, you know, light shards poking through. Sometimes we might just arrive at a space and you'll sort of catch something quite unexpectedly and you'll just, like, whip out the camera, get it set up pretty quickly and then shoot, um, getting stuck into shooting. Right. So um, it, it, the daylight and light is... Uh, is essential. Everything about it is essential with the light. So more often than not that uh, if they want what we call a blue sky um, shoot is that I'll sort of book it in, but if it's not quite right or it's an overcast day, the shoot will actually get cancelled mm. and uh, we will go back and find do it again. And sometimes it can take about, you know, a week, two weeks to get the right day to get into a space to get that light. Um, so it is a very, you have to have a lot of patience with what I do and, uh, it, it's fantastic. And that's what I enjoy about it because they're the qualities, you know, you see in this picture here, you can see how using the light actually creates different patterns and yeah. textures yeah. and brings more of an emotion into the shot. Otherwise you've got, you know, a beautiful white staircase, but it's just those extra layering of that light that sort of transforms it into, you know, cause you're shooting, um, three-dimensionality and translating that back into a two-dimensional plane and to try and bring that three-dimensionality back into that photograph. Um, it's all about light and form and all that, all those um, interesting things. But I don't always shoot with uh, sunny light. Um, occasionally I will shoot with very overcast days and it gives you a very, very different quality of light. Uh, so, and, and that can also be just as beautiful, like in, my, in some of my interiors, the, uh, just the softness of the light can just wrap around objects quite beautifully and you just get those very lovely, lovely, even tones of light. So, yeah, you can sort of see here this is a little bit softer and um, it just gives a different feel to the quality of light. So, and magazines love that kind of feel as well because they're not struggling with contrast and, right. and issues with deep shadows and strong highlights, yeah. How do you determine, you know, whether you're going to go for that direct sunlight or you're going to go for that overcast? Um, definitely exterior work, always generally um, sunlight, and then we just work with the interiors. Uh, possibly if I'm shooting for an architect in comparison to an interior designer, there might be a bit of a difference there. So it's just a different feel. Um a lot of the time, uh, interiors, you know, we just go with what have, we might book it in and we'll just go with what's going on. Um, it's just the external work that it's vital that I um, get the right light. So here sort of I'm in introducing a little bit of the ambient light of the actual space. Um, so I do work with both and um, I think mainly interiors is it can go either way, the soft light or the, the uh, more contrasty light. But external work pretty much always has to have that beautiful sun happening to sort of bring that forward. So, yeah, and a beautiful thing about interiors is it's just not, it's about the space, but it's also about the um, the way they've styled it, the way the objects have been placed in it and the textures and the detail and, you know, all the extra little bits that, um, you know, I sort of enjoy shooting and placement of objects. Um, so you really do need to have a bit of a, a graphic eye when it comes to all, all of this kind of shooting. Um, and it's also very important to understand that when you're shooting, you, you're thinking about um, the magazine layout and how they might actually lay it on a page 
and where they actually might sort of put the font um, in an image or a heading, um, all that sort of stuff. So that that will, um, you know, also determine how I shoot, whether it's um, portrait or horizontal. And, 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 you know, going with back to the light thing, yes, it's fascinating. So you wait sometimes up to two weeks or a week to for the perfect light. Have you ever yeah. tried using strobe and why do you feel natural light is so much better that it you would actually wait two weeks versus doing it in a day where you can rely on strobe knowing exactly what it will produce at any given time? Yeah, it's a good question. But uh, for me, lighting, I mean, I do use lighting like in, obviously in studio setups where I'm working with um, product and all that sort of stuff. But whenever I seem to try to introduce light into a space, uh, it just doesn't have the same kind of quality in my mind. The shadows maybe quite aren't as subtle and as nice. The, you know, just the subtlety of the light um, may not, you know, be that way. And and it's also, I think, when you're just shooting with natural light, you can feel a space a lot better. Whereas when, you know, this sort of shot, this, you know, to get those lines and the strength of that light, and most of the time the spaces around the houses are, tight there's literally a wall right outside your window and there is no way that you would be able to get backlighting into a space um like that that would be have to use some serious equipment for that kind of thing and you know obviously budgets don't warrant that sort of um you know expense when you can just sort of go in and uh and shoot it with the natural light so a but it's only, you know, I mean, we live in Melbourne here and it's we we tend to get, sometimes we get some weeks where it just might be rain day after day after day and um, there's just no way you can shoot it. Sometimes, you know, um, even an overcast day, if you get some really beautiful moody skies, um, you can do some really interesting stuff. So, but most of the time externally, um, definitely waiting for light. But internally, it could be either. So, like, this was, again, a very overcast day and... This is where I'm using longer exposures um, and I'm using, I think it would be about maybe a second or something like that. Um, and wow. sometimes I'll yeah, go into spaces and I'll be shooting for like uh, 15 seconds or 20 seconds or 30 seconds and, you know, the space will be almost not quite black but just enough light in the, in the space um, that will show... Um, you that you can just get the light to wrap around it. And I think you could safely go up to about a 30, you know, 30 seconds to get an image. So that's, again, the tripod, you know, you would not be able to shoot that handheld at all. I could see you're a, that you were a sculptor because everything is very three. You mentioned you're in a two-dimensional medium and everything is very three-dimensional. You, yes. You I, use shape, you use distance, it's, and it, comes, it just comes alive. Yes, and I think definitely my fine art days definitely has helped me in that regard. It's it's definitely helped me with, uh, you know, just understanding space and two-dimensionality and three-dimensionality. And I think that's one of the things that definitely attracts me to what I do is sort of moulding spaces and forming spaces and, you know, all that kind of work and placement of objects. Mm-hmm. Um you know, not only do we wait with the light, but we we think about, you know, where all the chair legs are going to sit, where the table is going to sit on the edge of a rug, how a plant is just going to fall over the edge of a, you know, a shelf, uh, all that sort of stuff. So um, it's all about placement of objects and, and just, again, using that graphic eye to to sort of understand what you're doing and this is a perfect example of that kind of a shot um where you have you know your very overcast day so the light is quite moody and soft and then the stools you know there's not much in this shot but it's like three stools and then two stools and then placing them all in exactly the right position um just to sort of you know make something interesting out of it so yeah you adjusted those stools just so oh yes yes everything and you don't always have the luxury of working with a stylist. A lot of times you're doing this on your own. What are tips right. for people that are styling their own set in an interior uh, space? Simpler the better, first of all. Um, I think 
sometimes if you're trying to shoot a space and there is too much um, stuff in a space, it can overclutter and you're not quite sure where your eye is going to go. So you actually need to sort of start off with a nice clean palette, I think, and then you introduce your objects into it and you think about what you're shooting and you think about the idea of what you're shooting if you're trying to portray space and and just just placement. I think, you know, no matter if you're doing portraiture or architecture or food or anything, it's all about, you know, the placement of the objects within the frame and whether you're going to be shooting wide or whether you're going to be shooting on a long lens. Um, You can, you know, just sort of think about how you want, you know, the space to be. Usually with the wider angle lenses, you'll be sort of standing either at the edge of the room or the corner of a room um, and you'll sort of be trying to get everything into a shot. Uh, But just think about where the light's coming from, Uh, think about what's in the room and just, you know, simplify it and and just have a few beautiful objects um, or, you know, within the space and then use the light to sort of just wrap around. Don't be afraid to do longer exposures and and don't be afraid to sort of, you know, if it is low light, just, you know, give it a go and um, and shoot that. And and the nice thing about shooting on long lenses is that between the difference between your wide angle and your long lens is that your wide angle, you can actually start to distort objects in the corners of the frames, which to me isn't very pleasing. Um, yeah, I notice all your angles are perfectly right angle. You yeah. don't have any curvature no and i don't i tend not to shoot diagonally i shoot quite elevational so it's a sort of a bit of an architect's term where they sort of shoot you sort of very square to the subject very much so yes um that's that's my personal style um i tend sometimes i will shoot diagonally if if it works like i think in the next series couple of images that um with this particular project say for example this one um that I will shoot across a table or back into a space just to get some depth into a space um and you know there are lovely objects that lead your eye around the image and for me that's what's important you know is how the eye is to be led and then again you know the long lens you can go into the detail but you're actually quite far back from that object um because the way by standing quite far back from the object um, and using a long lens is it actually makes it look more nat- more natural and you don't get any distortion um, on the edges with that. So there's that, that changeover. You tend to go into a space and you sort of shoot the wide angle, what I call the wide angle, the middle ground, and then the detail. And if you can get those, I think this is more of a That's middle ground. That's a perfect ground. example. You've zoomed in on the middle ground. Yeah. That so, yeah. So, and these, and people like layers. People like to see the layers of the space. People like to see the overall picture, which is your wide angle, um, which you know, maybe on the first one or there. I think if you go forward a few images. There's the overall, yeah. And that's another project. Yeah. But, um, and then you sort of go into the middle ground, which is this sort of yeah. thing, and then the detail. And magazines tend to like that kind of idea um, to give people. People are feeling an emotion. They want to see the big picture. They want to see the middle ground and they want to see the detail of the space. So I think in the next picture that go forward. Yeah. So, yeah, that's generally, this is another project. um, Yeah. Again. These are, you go to such interesting looking places. It must be so much fun. Oh, I love, I love what I do. It's, uh, I work with, you know, interior designers and photographers, you know, sorry, um, architects, and they're all doing wonderful things. And there's all kinds of levels of work where, you know, budgets vary from very little budgets to quite right. big budgets. And, you know, often it doesn't matter what the budget is. Often sometimes the small budget projects are sometimes a little more interesting to shoot because they want to be a little bit more creative. Like this and one. Then, this, is, this is hysterical. I love it. This, yeah, this was, um, this was actually... Yeah, they, these, this was a project done in Sydney, actually, um, by uh, the interior designers, Hecker Guthrie, and they do beautiful work. I love working with them. They um, always have a certain style. You know, their detail is quite beautiful. You know, they sort of, you know, 
have a clean palette. This is also their work um, in a display suite. So they, you know, just have a really clean eye and, um, and the craft that comes through in their work is beautiful. And that's what I also love about what I do is seeing the craft that yeah. people produce, you know, in objects and spaces and the feeling that they sort of portray across, which is wonderful. You're documenting somebody else's art, which is kind of fun. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's, that's what I do. I'm a glorified documenter. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah. I don't, they actually buy shots. You know, I kind of look at this work and I, I just sort of think I'm doing beautiful shots of work that, you know, it's other designs. Of art. Yeah, so yeah but if I took it, it wouldn't be so beautiful. You're, you're definitely... <laughs> taking it to the next you're, level. You're, yeah, <laughs> you're adding to it. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, it's, we talk about the wide angles and I think one of my least favorite things for wide angle shots is when you... The distorted how I'm trying to make the room look bigger than it yeah. is. And vignetted. And, and, yeah. Vignetted. Yeah. What are some tips of how to use wide angle correctly? Um, just be careful with uh, without maybe doing going too crazy on the wide angles. Some some photographers like that kind of way of shooting. For me, it, I personally, because I don't... Uh, you know, it's nice to get the overall picture, um, but for me it's a bit of a story and the levels. So just be careful not to go too wide. And if you are going to go wide, just make sure that the picture or the objects in the foreground um, are sort of quite not too much too close to the lens. If they're further back from the lens, then um, that's okay. Then they don't seem to distort. See, these none of these shots really are wide angles right. shots. Um, right. Maybe if you go again, this is more sort of detail working with interior designers, um, all that sort of stuff. So you, you just this is a wide angle shot. So you can actually get some lovely dramatic. Um, I tend to use my wide angle a lot more on external work um, than I do on internal work. Um, I think in the next picture. It might be, this is an example from the image to the magazine cover, how they might then use that image to lay out their right. text. Um, this this and was made for them. That was <laughs> yes. Yeah. Although they've completely modified the image, it looks like. Yeah, they've cropped it, um, which I don't mind. I have no qualms about magazines, whatever suits the page and the right. layout. Um, yeah. A lot of photographers can get quite precious about that. No, don't crop my image. Um, so... That you know, it's it's architecture and it needs to right. sit in a layout and there's a certain format and um, they need to sort of do that. Maybe with people's personal artwork, it's a different story with the cropping. Maybe not such a good idea, but with with architecture and sort of laying it out in magazines, it's definitely the way to go. I think in the next image along was oh, in, looking, oh, yeah. again a wide angle, yeah. so you can get beautiful skies. Um, this is again. obviously wide. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But so. That's, so you can see how that sort of captures everything, yes. the whole idea. Um, and also you get some, can get some nice drama, again, a nice wide angle for an interior because architecturally that's what it's sort of demanding right. Right. Um, in the image. So, And this is just an example, again, of the same project in a layout. Yeah. So um, Your you know, stuff lends itself so well. They must love you to, oh, to this kind of thing. Yeah, for text and yeah. design. Yeah, you just you just have to think about these sort of things when you're shooting, because um, you know at the end of the day that's where they want their images. They, right. you know, most of the designers want to get published because that's a huge, huge marketing tool for them. Do you um, do your own stuff, or is it all editorial? Uh, no, I do do my own stuff. Uh, I've, you know, the last decade or decade or so has been working commercially. Um, again, this is an example of what more happens. of a lay. Yeah. Yeah the images and, yeah. and uh, how they lay it all out. Um, but I do do my personal stuff. Uh, I think there are a couple of images in there somewhere towards the end. Um, and, I, and I sort of managed to want to, um, because I am documenting beautiful spaces for, you know, other designers and um, other architects, it's important that you continue to sort of shoot for yourself. Right. Um, in the beginning of your career, you're all very excited and, and starts off as a passion and almost a hobby turns into a passion, turns into a career. So, which, you know, in the long run, it, it becomes a business, which is um, great and I love it. I'm very fortunate to be doing this um, from a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, 
But you do need to, you know, being a creative person, you do need to shoot for yourself. You need to continue doing that. And I think one sort of offsets the other quite beautifully. Do you, um, do you ever take pictures that are messy and, and people all over them? Because <laughs> this stuff almost feels ironic. It's so depopulated yeah. and yeah. square. It almost feels ironic. Yeah. And I'm wondering um, if your personal stuff is very messy. and. <laughs> no, it's messy. It's very dark, actually. It's Interesting. the opposite. Yeah, Yeah, it's. uh, I I do shoot people in spaces. Um, So, you know, I guess I'm the sort of a crossover between interiors, architectural. There's a person, and a person's moving. Yeah. So Mm. this is sort of what what we would do in a space is that the people would be incidental to a space. They wouldn't be, you know, the focus or the portrait of a space. It would be more the idea of the people living in the space and magazines. uh, the trend at the moment is going more towards that idea, but it's actually also very hard to shoot a space with people, um, especially because, in yeah, long exposures. Definitely, especially it is, and that's yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. And um, also because we go in and we we do quite a bit of styling, um, we you know we sort of we are you know for a day we are coming into someone's space and they're very generously allowing us in and uh, and doing what we need to do. So. We do shoot people in space, especially if I'm shooting commercial spaces. Generally, we'll shoot with people in the uh, space. Um, and restaurants, you know, I will right. shoot. Um, it's just the same image, for example, with the uh, other layout and the font in the beginning. Right. And, yeah, so I do enjoy it. But my personal work is, yeah, it's the opposite um, to what I shoot commercially. I do tend to sort of take all light out of it and uh, <laughs> almost devoid it of the uh, subject matter. I think there's a few shots possibly um, coming up. There's some more shots. But, yeah, designers like to see the space. They like to sort of feel and see the space. Um, you want to get case- a, you want to get out of the way. You're not making a statement here. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. So this is a perfect example of a dusk, what we call a dusk shot, um, where it's that, that – beautiful 10 minutes of the evening where it just transitions from day into night where the lights of the interior start to emanate out and the reflections from the exterior on the glass start to disappear but there's still enough light in the sky that you get those rich blues and purples happening and this is a favorite this is a favorite you know with architects and interior designers um, to get that beautiful transition because usually during the day it's quite contrasting you can't really see into the space um, so the dusk, I'm often standing there very late at night waiting for the dusk <laughs> shot. <laughs> the coat on, hat on, gloves on. So it's uh, just to get that beautiful shot. So, this is gorgeous. And I love how the, the leaves in front and in the foreground are lit from below. And... That's it. And, it. and it's also, again, creating that sense of, you know, depth. Rather mm-hmm. than doing it through focus, mm-hmm. I do it through objects in that sense. So it's just a different yeah, way of thinking. Since yeah, everything's in focus. When you say long, though, how long is the long lens on something like this? I mean, are oh, you... this this wouldn't be a long lens. This, this would wide. be quite wide. Yeah. Yes, yeah. this would be, I think, at least the twenty-four tilt shift, or most probably seventeen mil wow. shift on that. Yeah, seventeen is a fantastic lens. There's no distortion whatsoever um, on that. So. And, and the nice thing about 35mm is, is it's quick. You can move quickly. So if the sun's moving and you have to move quickly, you can move quickly right. with it. Um, I do have another camera. I have a, um, an Alpha with a P65 back and a 40mm and a 23mm, but it's a lot slower in its way of shooting. And you don't have a viewfinder like you do with the um, Canon. So I tend to use my larger format camera um, for more my personal work. Um, rather than uh, with my commercial work. So, again, interior, this is retail. Again, we would take half the shop out of stock right. to get to get the shop. You never so want I mean, a, a yeah, crowded no, shop, exactly. right? Yeah. If there's too much stock, it's too it's... cluttered. This is going back to my what I was talking about earlier. If you put too much stuff in it, um, it it's just overbearing and um, can sort of take take away from the image and they're interested in the space right space. do you start taking well, stuff out or do you start with a blank s- slate and then start putting take, objects in no we take stuff out generally we we look through a space 
we'll um, see what, you know, stays and what might go um, and then we take it out and then we might introduce other things back into it. So um, and it's all about really the designer's ideas at the end of the day and sometimes, unfortunately, with um, the budgets, they might have the budget for the space or with the, especially with the residential stuff, they might have the budgets for, to build the house and get the house, but they've usually come from another style of a house into a new house and it might not quite marry with the furniture. Um, so they just haven't gone that extra step. So we might just actually take some of the furniture out and then the, the designer, they do have a vision and they have an idea and really at the end of the day, people aren't going to see the house. They're not going to sort of see the space. So the photograph becomes really the most vital thing um, after a project finishes because that's what they have for history. That's what they have for, you know, forever. And um, it it becomes a bit of a, 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 you know, a nice sort of series of uh, images for them to keep over time in their portfolios. So, we don't really, I'm not really sort of fussed if they have to um, put what they need to put in to get their idea across um, to portray a good image. Yeah. And when there's no boss, this is what uh, Shannon uh, takes. This is a personal, as you said, very dark. <laughs> yes, very dark. Yeah. Um, this is where I will shoot uh, and then I will literally take out all the extra pieces around it. I'm not interested what in location, I'm not interested in scale. Um, I'm not interested in the blue skies. I'm just interested in the texture and the feeling and, yeah. and just allowing the objects to just reveal themselves through that darkness. I sort of look at it as a bit of a, as, um, an exterior skin, you know, sort of moving forward into the image um, and just allowing just the very subtleties of light just to come through. So as you can see, it's a complete reaction against my yeah. To work. This looks yeah. like a Frank. Is this a Frank Gehry building? This it is, does look like Frank Gehry. Yeah. Yes, that's the Guggenheim. Oh, it's the Guggenheim. It's yes. Neil Bao. It looks look at a that. lot different yeah. through your eyes. Yeah, yeah, love it. So that's what um, I'm sort of working towards nowadays is uh, doing more exhibition work and uh, doing this this kind of work, and um, you know just developing the artistic side of my practice. Um, and, and like I say, I think it complements my commercial side and sort of trying to sort of get that emotion into the uh, pictures and that idea. But at the end of the day, it's all still just architecture. Yeah. So, yeah. You're making yeah. me want to run out and get that 17 tilt shift. I got to stop well, they, they, um The chat room said too, I know it is you really can, expensive. You can read it, yeah. But um, Car- is it Carvazone? I don't want to say it wrong. In the chat room, thank you for mentioning this. But you can rent them in the U.S. anyway for $51 a week. It's nothing. So that's, that's nothing. You know, and you can get out and play and if, see if that is something you want. And yeah. if it is, you save and save and save and get it. Yeah. But, um, one, I have one other question for you. As far as there's a lot of dynamic range in your images, are you compositing? They don't look like you're using HDR. What are you doing to sort of get yes. that? The, between the highlights and the shadows? Yes. Um, I do I do bracket and um, I do uh, layer images in. I don't use the HDR in Photoshop. I um, we sort of merge the images to get the highlights and the shadows. You know, back in the day of transparency, we used to sort of have to use. This is where lights were definitely far more important because we had to get light into the shadow detail. And um, with transparency, it was literally one frame. You had no chance, you right. know, it just to happen that way, which was a beautiful way of shooting, uh, which I really enjoyed. And I'm glad I had that experience shooting that way because it made me understand about light and what you could do to manipulate light and how you could change things. Nowadays, um, for example, I will shoot for the highlights and I will shoot for the shadow detail. And we do use, I do use the reflector, which is, you know, a large disc type reflective disc that just sort of pops out and and I reflect light back into spaces. We're catching the, you know, the 45-degree angle of the sun back into a space. Um, and then we do, we do composite them and we sort of layer them in to get that contrast. But we still allow the highlights and the shadows and the depth. We don't do it too evenly. You're not, um, you're not tone mapping and trying to make it look like a Trey no. Radcliffe or something. This is, this is a perfect example, which would be an impossible shot. 
unless you did it that way. The, yeah. the deep hall is obviously going to be too dark if you expose for the foreground brightness. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. So, yes, we do have do a bit of post, but that's the only real post we'll do. Um, and the only other little bit of post we'll do is we might, you know, get rid of a GPO or an exit sign or yeah. something like that. So, but nothing more major than that. Um, it's pretty straightforward when we work, you know, on the images after the fact. So that's all we do really in post. But, you know, at the end of the day you want to beautifully contrasty, you know, colour-balanced image. And when you shoot a raw image on digital, it, it doesn't provide that. So you do need to do that work, definitely. On average, how are you going one stop? And, and how, how much, what is the depth oh. for bracketing? And then also typically how many layers are in a, each composite? Uh, I, would, I would bracket almost, depends if the sun, um, I would almost bracket two and a half stops either way. Um, and compositing it would only be maybe two images, two to three images. Okay. Uh, it will usually be one overall image, and then we'll choose either a highlight or a detail. Most of the images will be um, they will be balanced in one image. It's just a few details that I might want to bring back into the highlights, um, especially when you're shooting from internally to externally. Uh, with the windows outside, uh, I, I do bring in a little bit of detail from the windows um, outside, but I don't do it too strong because then it doesn't look real. It, it sort of, you know, I, what I call it without being offensive, you know, you sort of a lot of the real estate shots that you see around people bring it in. It's sort of almost like a backdrop that they just sort of drop behind the window um, and it just doesn't quite look real to me. Yeah. So. I, I cut that right back a little bit to make it look more natural and as as you would have seen it as you were standing in the space. So that's all I'm really doing at the end of the day is I'm just taking it back to what it felt like when I was right. in the space. Right. Yeah, giving it the dynamic range your eyes would have as opposed to yeah. what the film had. Or the, did you ever shoot <laughs> film, or you only have you only shot digital? Oh no, definitely shot film. Um, for years, I would have shot guess, film. Yeah, four five by five. five. Yeah. 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 And four five uh, had a Hasselblad, um, which was a beautiful camera. The Hasselblad with forty mil. Uh, I've shot thirty five mil, uh, but mainly the Hasselblad and the five four were my two main cameras, and I loved it. I miss it actually. It's quite strange. You sort of develop a bit of a relationship mm -hmm. with film, mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I'm still slightly struggling with digital in the sense that. You know, the film that you used to be able to get, which you used to be able to buy a film called um, Velvia. Velvia. And, yes. And I'm sure you can still get it on the market today. I, I'm not so sure. I haven't shot on it for quite a few years now. But the blue skies in Velvia were rich and saturated and, and stunning and you didn't have to do anything with them. Whereas with the digital blue skies, I, I struggle with. It's just, it hasn't got the same kind of depth. So, you know, I'm still working back towards get that uh, blue sky velvia happening So um, and get the depth with the digital. But, you know, there are advantages and disadvantages for both, I would say. The digital is fantastic because the workflow is a lot, it's better um, and it's more seamless and you can actually shoot I spend a lot more time now shooting rather than you know being in the studio I do have a producer who does a lot of my retouching and uh so she and I she's been working with me for about three years now and she's fantastic she understands my style and my aesthetic and um and how I shoot and I can literally now just drop a job off to her and she'll just know what to do and then I generally check it and um, make a few adjustments because I'm the one that knows what's, you know, happened in the space and the colour and, and the detail and the texture. So it's good. It's um, definitely a, uh, a process in that sense, but I do miss the film days. Maybe one day I'll do another series on my 5.4, but I will never sell my 5.4 camera. Yeah. So it will always be. You, know, it's, you sort of make friends with your cameras. It's quite weird. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can't get rid of mine either. Yeah. <laughs> I never touch them, but they're they're all there. Here's a couple Thanks. more of uh, these are the ones you said were your favorites. These are obviously personal work. Yeah, this is just where I'm playing a little bit more with the abstraction of an image um, and and the light. Um, and uh, you know, sometimes I will go in and you know might not actually be the image, but I might actually crop into an image and see where the detail is. 
which is quite lovely. And the, and the black and white's always quite lovely. It's nice to, you know, abstract an image a little bit. I think there's another one image in there, um, that one, the bold, this is my Balti Bridge. This is what I call my Jeffrey Smart image. Um, this was taken, you know, back in my assisting days. This would have been about 14 years ago now. And this was shot on film on Velvia and uh, with my little Hasselblad. And the great thing about my job also is that you get access to places before the public gets access to places and you get to go up on the bridges and roofs and up cranes and, you know, all kinds of crazy places just to get these shots before because now there's no way you'd be able to get this image. This is like highway traffic um, going through this bridge. And so you get these rare opportunities as a photographer to sort of get in there and um, basically shoot and have the freedom just to wander around and shoot. And uh, this is a perfect example of um, manipulating colour temperature um, in an image, which I, you know, like to do as well in the sense that, you know, to our eye this would have looked white, um, but by shooting on daylight film, uh, Mm. you know, the colour temp, the real colour temperature was uh, a fluorescent, which is, turns green on film. Right. So this is, you know, what I loved about film was just those those natural elements that we don't see as the human eye, but the film actually picks up as the reality and creates these sort of colours and, you know, these images. Whereas now with digital we tend to sort of either shoot, you know, we can shoot between daylight and tungsten and mostly auto, but it sort of cancels out a lot of these, you know, mishaps and... Uh, and that's sometimes the images, the ones that where the mistakes or the ones where you just allow what's really happening to happen are sometimes the, the best images to have. Shannon McGrath, it's been great. You can hardly see this one. Uh, this one's dark, yes. This, yeah. this may be the layering. This is where I'm really taking out all of the light and I'm, it looks you know, really swinging the yeah, This is our how t- yeah. the contrast between her yeah, personal... But it's still a building and uh, it's still... <laughs> And the lines are all straight still. Yeah, they're all straight. <laughs> so, yeah, it's good. You know, I enjoy what I do with my work and uh, hopefully, you know, uh, I'll be shooting more of this kind of stuff. It's great. I love it. Shannon, it's such a pleasure to meet you, Shannon McGrath. Do you have a website you want to push people to? Or I do. Uh, it's www.shannonmcgrath.com. And it's spelled M-C-G-R-A-T-H. Yes. C-G-R-A-T-H, yes. C-G-R-A-T-H, for those of you who don't know how to spell Scottish. Yeah, yes. like me. I, I would have definitely said her name wrong, so thank you. And, and, and I think we brought the server down. Oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Great stuff. Thank you, Shannon. So nice to meet you. Thank you so much, Shannon. And at, at 6.30 in the morning, you, you pulled yes. it off well. Oh, now you. the sun's up, so you can go out and shoot. I know. <laughs> right. Well, it's an overcast day here today, so we'll see. Go back to bed then. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Take a little nap. Excellent. Thanks, Shannon. Thank Great to meet you. All right. Bye. We, we do Twit photos on Tuesdays about 1.30 p.m. Pacific, 4.30 Eastern Time, 2030 UTC. I had to do the math in my hands. You always have to. I have a I have a quick share too. Yes, this looks good. I, I we're we're big fans of Vince LaFerre. Yeah, I love Vincent LaFerre. Um, he's been on the show. I can't remember what episode, but if you want to check it out, this book is incredible. Um, the reason I love it is it's a huge resource, you know, from a learning standpoint. But the way it's laid out, you can read it by section, which is for having just on your coffee table and picking up. He does these little excerpts. So, for example, I'll just pick some says finding order in chaos and then it shows an image and gives a little description of, of how he does that mm-hmm. and so if you're like me and don't actually have time to sit down and read a full book but like to flip through and be inspired and learn things um here's another one um showing the other side which i think is really a lot of photographers have talked about that showing both sides of a story um and anyhow it really just is a great resource, keeping you inspired, learning things in little bites. And you could read, of course, you could just sit and read through the whole book. Um, but for me, I personally like the fact that it's it's done that way. And you can also, he has a, a DVD too, so it could be done on and your And there's computer. an ebook. There's an ebook version of this too, so you could look at it on your computer. It's, it's all from Peach Pit Press, yeah. New Writers. So, Neat. Yeah, it's Neat. a great, a great it's resource. It's called Visual Stories Behind the Lens with Vincent LaForet. 
I think we should do a book pick every week. I like that. Great photography books. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you, Catherine Hall, catherinehall.net. To uh, find out more about her work and uh, to read her blog, just click the blog link. Yes, there you go. CatherineHall.net. Thanks, Thanks for everyone. joining us. We'll Thanks see you next time. Us. See you next week. On Twit Photo.